0: For RCR TV, I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to HetNet Happenings, where we take a look at all things DAS, small cell, Wi-Fi, and much more.
1: ComScope. Thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board, telecomcareers.com.
0: Welcome back to HetNet Happenings. We've got a great show for you today. We're gonna take a look at the recent tower and small cell summit out in Las Vegas. We're gonna hear from Dave Taylor of T-Mobile US about the carrier's approach to small cells along with the company's spectrum portfolio. Then we're going to hear from Jake McLeod of Greybeards Consulting about how we as an industry will progress from current LTE mobile networks onto 5G mobile networks. And we're going to hear a little bit about some of the issues surrounding marketing and standardization in that space. But first, I'd like to take a look at some recent news. FCC is currently reviewing the rules that pertain to placement of small cells, distributed antenna systems, and other network infrastructure components inside or on historic structures that are protected by the Historic Preservation Act. The regulatory agency is scoping out potential new rules and at this point is soliciting feedback from industry players. In comments filed this week, the CTIA Trade Association urged the FCC to balance any potential new requirements with the booming demand for mobile services. More on the small cell front, Chinese equipment vendor Huawei is looking to significantly grow its small cell market share. Small cell marketing director Philip Song said network operators would be wise to purchase macro base station equipment and small cells from the same vendor for easier integration. He said the ICT company is looking to double its current market share. Mr. Song made those comments during Huawei's recent Cloud Congress event in Shanghai. Our colleague Juan Pedro Thomas attended that show, so if you're interested in more coverage from the event, you can check that out on rcrwireless.com. Finally, at this point, it's well known that carriers are going to pursue large-scale small-cell deployments to improve network quality, Sprint particularly, but the carrier this week surprised a lot of industry watchers by bowing out of the FCC's upcoming 600 MHz incentive auction. Sprint said its current Spectrum holdings are sufficient to support its network plans and therefore they're not going to participate in the auction which set to kick off on March 29th. The company did not include in its rationale the current less than rosy financial position. Analysts have wondered whether Sprint even has the financial backing of parent company SoftBank to participate in the auction to any meaningful extent. Now I'd like to turn our attention over to the Tower and Small Cell Summit. This is a great event that's co-located with CTIA's Super Mobility Show. So in these first segments, we're going to hear from Dave Mayo, who's the SVP of Technology for T-Mobile US. Dave's going to first give us some background on how T-Mobile rolled out its nationwide LTE network with an emphasis on extensive fiber backhaul. Then we're going to hear from Dave on small cells. Mentioned earlier that Sprint's relying heavily on small cells as it upgrades its network, but Dave makes some really interesting comments about how the telecom industry hasn't yet matured the small cell deployment process to the point that large-scale deployments are financially feasible. Let's take a look.
2: You know, uh, everything from, you know, I guess in the past decade I've been pretty involved in, in uh, really rolling out and initiating our backhaul uh, strategy, uh, which is really all, substantially all fiber, as, as you, most of you probably know. Uh, we made that decision really, really early on, uh, just because we wanted to take advantage of fiber with our HSPA network and really get, take full advantage of the speeds that HSPA Plus offered. Uh, and we saw that as an opportunity, gosh, seven or eight years ago now. And we've been pretty aggressive, as, as you, most of you know, um, in terms of rolling fiber out across the network, more recently, you know, we spent a lot. We spent a lot of time designing uh, the strategy for rolling LT across out across the uh, the network, and in, uh, specifically growing our LT footprint to 300 million pops this year, which is pretty exciting from a from a, a little T-Mobile perspective. You know, who would have imagined three years ago, in the cusp of the AT&T deal, that in you know, 36 months, we'd have a, you know, not only a nationwide LTE network, but a, a competitive LTE network to, uh, to the likes of Verizon and AT&T. Um, it's a journey. And we're still, in my view, you know, let me back up a second and say, in the, in the past three years, we've really focused on deploying an LTE network. We've not focused on deploying small cells. Some other people have done that. Uh, we really haven't. It's only been, frankly, the last six to twelve months that we've even really thought about it, um, from a from a purely a, a small cell perspective. Not, that's not to say that they're not an important part of our network. We acquired Metro PCS a couple three years ago now, and Metro came with a whole bunch of distributed antenna nodes. To the extent we've integrated those into our outdoor, network, outdoor DAS. Out, all outdoor DAS. And uh, that, th- those nodes have been integrated into the network, which has been <laughs> tremendously helpful from a capacity perspective. But we're just now in the real, I, I, I call it the infancy in my view of really industrializing. And I like to use the word industrialize because it really represents in my view what, what needs to happen with small cells. They need to become much lower cost and much more repeatable with a, with a predictable interval from a, from a how, how fast can the work get done. And, I, and I, don't think the, I don't think we as an industry have matured that whole process to the point where it needs to be matured and, and we will do that.
0: Now small cells are a great way to add density to networks but T-Mobile's taking a little bit of a different approach. This also has a spectrum tie-in. In this next segment, Dave's gonna tell us a little bit about how T-Mobile's portfolio of mid-band spectrum essentially forced the company to densify at the macro level, which proved to be a benefit. Let's hear again from Dave Mayo of T-Mobile US.
2: Well, I, you know, I guess I, I, the reference point I like to, to, to think about and use is that at the beginning of the, year, of the year, we covered approximately 600,000 square miles. By the end of this year, we'll cover over 1.6 million square miles of the U.S. with our, with our network excluding roaming, with LTE. So, so that's, a pretty, that's a pretty phenomenal increase. You know, there was, you know, if I go back to the beginning of the year, there was obviously GSM footprint yep. that's not in the 600,000 600, um, um, square miles. But from, an, from a purely an LTE growth perspective, the last year we've really done a lot in terms of growing that LT footprint so that we can provide a great service to our customers across the country.
3: So uh, T-Mobile has also been very good at acquiring Spectrum for the right cost and putting together a Spectrum portfolio on which you can build a densification strategy. Mm -hmm. So what I'm really trying to understand is how does your Spectrum portfolio influence your densification strategy?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and we, we often, we've often talked about um, our, our Achilles heel being not having low band spectrum and really building on a mid band grid. And, and frankly, it's actually turned out, you know, as we think about data, it's actually turned into a real big benefit for the business because of the cell density. We've actually, that's one of the key factors that's given us the ability to create America's fastest 4G LTE network. So, you know, it was a little bit of our nemesis, you know, if I could, if I could wind the clock back a Absolutely, decade. Absolutely, it was a witness. But, but frankly, uh, you know, it's turned into a huge benefit because of that, that cell density has so helped us with, uh, with that fastest network.
3: Yeah, I mean, it reduces latency for sure, and it forces you to space the macros sure. in a certain way. And therefore, densification is the nature of your macro network.
2: Yeah, we're already there. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, <clears throat> We're not having to add a bunch of sites on a mid, on a low band grid in order to be able to create the speeds. We, we, we kind of started there.
3: So does that mean you don't need low band spectrum?
2: No, 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 no.
3: Oh, Uh-oh. we've very
2: we very very publicly stated we're 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 very interested in uh, in acquiring additional low band spectrum. You know, as most of you folks know, probably know, we acquired uh, a, a, a slug of low band about oh, was 13, 16 months ago, and we've continued to add incremental 700 meg spectrum to that portfolio. And how
3: did you get that spectrum? We, we
2: we purchased it from Verizon.
3: You finagled it.
2: We just bootstrapped it. We did we did the best we could. You we're just like the little guys, and we're trying do. to do we're always just trying to do the best we can.
0: So we've heard about densification, we've heard about small cells, we've heard about spectrum. All of these are by and large expected to be integral to whatever 5G turns out to be following standardization. That works ongoing and in this next clip we're going to hear from Jake McLeod, an analyst with Greybeard, and he has a really interesting take on the roadmap to 5G. I mentioned that the Tower and Small Cell Summit was co-located with CTIA's Super Mobility Show. During that, Verizon surprised everyone by announcing 2016 5G trials here in the US. Jake makes note that there's a fine distinction between actually creating a 5G network and marketing something as a 5G network. He also discusses the importance of network functions virtualization and software-defined networks to an ultimate 5G standard. Let's hear from Jake McCloud.
1: The true 5G is still in the white paper stage, and like I said, the radios are going to likely to be changed uh, to a new waveform. That waveform is not going to be spec'd out until 2020, according to the 3GPP timelines. So what I'm talking about here is the marketing 5G, the next generation, our next step in the evolution of of, uh, mobile telephony. So bottom line, it's an aggregation of a number of different uh, network functions and network features. Uh, There are several fundamental features that have to be there before the true, uh, let's call it 4.5G, is implemented. Now, one of the primary features is network function virtualization. When you unpack what that, means, it sounds like a really neat word, but let's unpack that for a minute. Network function virtualization. Instead of having a single purpose server that does one thing, like uh, gateway or uh, uh, let's say uh, firewall, you move that, you virtualize that function and move it to a higher capacity server. That has a that way you put a whole bunch of functions in this one box, and you increase the the uh, utilization on that server box, and eliminate a lot of the capital expense of these other single-purpose boxes. That's all it means is network function virtualization. We're going to virtualize these network functions and put them in a, a single box and use them as needed. Okay. Another one is software-defined networks. Same thing. Uh, the software-defined networks basically allocates resources as needed and increases the efficiency of the network and decreases the cost of the network from a perspective of energy consumption, etc. Again, very easy to say software-defined network, which means the network is constantly Changing to accommodate the traffic parameters, but it's exceptionally difficult to manage. And then, if you don't have the cybersecurity overlay on that, some bad guy could get in there and screw up the whole thing to where you would no one would be able to make a phone call. So, it's very these things are being very carefully designed and specified and then tested in the laboratories first and then moved to markets to where they can control the failures. It's going to fail. No doubt about it. I've been there, done that through many developments. These things fail. You just got to figure out how to recover and how to prevent failure in the future on that that particular thing. Front haul and back haul, absolutely critical to to the network. Low latency, high speed, low jitter, and high reliability. Uh, so, bottom line, the message at the end of this session is going to be you got to have fiber or uh, high-capacity, low-latency microwave. Uh, fiber is the, the best solution. DAS, small cells, all these sensor networks, I've talked in the past about CBRNE networks. That's chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, and explosive networks that are based on vehicular-mounted Sensors uh, have millions of these sensors running around and be able to take prescribed actions again based on these pillars
0: So some really interesting comments there and uh, kind of refreshing to see a critical take on how we as an industry get from LTE to 5g And what we've looked at today is just the tip of the iceberg as it relates to the tower and small cell summit If you visit the RCR Wireless News YouTube channel, you can see the entire sessions these clips were exerted from, as well as lots of other very insightful panel discussions and presentations. And of course, you can visit us at rcrwireless.com to get the latest and greatest in telecom and ICT news. I'd encourage you to sign up for our daily newsletter, get those headlines delivered straight to you every day. And for previous episodes of HetNet Happening, as well as other RCR TV productions, check out the RCR TV website. For RCR Wireless, I'm Sean Kinney, and we'll see you back here, same time next week, for another episode of HetNet Happenings.
1: HetNet Happenings is a production of RCR TV. To reach Sean Kinney or to suggest a show topic for HetNet Happenings, you can reach Sean at skinney at rcrwireless.com. On Twitter, at Sean Kinney RCR. To find out more about the latest in HetNet and all things wireless, dig into rcrwireless.com.